Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Privilege and an honor, amen, to be here with you in conference. I'm so grateful, uh, Pastor Campbell, allowing me to come and preach, and I'm so grateful to the Chandler Church over the years. Uh, such a blessing. So many pastors and men here that I just thinking, you know, these last few days, I'm so grateful. Many of the pastors here in Chandler, I've looked up to you for many, many years, and I'm so grateful to be here this, uh, this week. Amen. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, Why Are You Running? Why are you running this morning? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 22 the Bible says, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Also, 1 Samuel 17, 48. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David that David hasted and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Father, I'm asking you this morning, for your grace and your help, God, I am hoping, depending, and trusting in your spirit, God, to bless your word and bless your people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I was talking to a lady from Thailand and she is the manager of a resort hotel and I was talking to her. And I asked her about the tsunami that happened in 2004. This is known as the Boxing Day Tsunami. This is the name they had given it. Given it. And I began to ask her, what was that like? Because I'd always wanted to ask someone who was there and experienced that. What was that like? What happened? She said it was terrible. It was a horrible experience. She said, when the water begin to recede, when the water, when the ocean begin to recede, the locals and the people who were there, they did not know what was happening. And so they ran out into the ocean to see what was happening. She said, and they saw fish and crabs and different seafood just laying there flopping because the water went back so fast. She said they begin to pick up this seafood. They begin to pick up the, the, the fish. And she said, before you knew it, the ocean came back, took them all away. But unsolicited, she dropped her head. And she said to me, there were people here from Japan. They knew what was happening because Japan has had frequent tsunamis. She said they knew what was happening, but they just ran away. She, she said they just ran away. You could tell this was still hurting this woman after all these years. 
Just down the road at another resort, there was a little girl named Tilly Smith. She's 10 years old. She's walking along the beach with her mother when the water began to bubble and the ocean began to recede. And when she saw this, she also knew what was happening because two weeks before, in her school in London, they were studying tsunamis. And so when she saw this, she knew what was happening This 10-year-old girl began to scream. She began to run along the beach screaming, It's a tsunami! It's a tsunami! And she began to try to get the attention of people. Her parents didn't believe her. She was able to find a Japanese security guard. She told him, her and her dad, she told him what was happening. Listen, this is what the water is doing. He says, yes, that's a tsunami. They go out into the the beach. They begin to scream together. Uh, There were people in the water kayaking. They begin to scream and they were able to rescue the people. And the caption, the headline said, at that resort, there was no loss of life because of this little girl. She ran for help. They gave her the name, the angel of the beach. Because she ran to rescue people. I have a question for you this morning. Which way are you running? Which way are you running? The question this morning is not are you running? Because we're all running. Everyone here this morning is running for one reason or the other. You might be running this morning for material gain, for material possessions. You might be running because of fear or disobedience. You might be running this morning for the destiny and the will and the purpose of God for your life. And so the question this morning is not are you running because we're all running. The question, why are you running? And do you realize this morning that there are nations, lives, destinies, and people whose eternal soul could be dependent on which way or on why you decide to run? In our text this morning, the people of God are once again at war with their greatest antagonists, the Philistines. We know the story, the Bible tells us for 40 days, twice a day, uh, Goliath would come out and begin to speak. He is going to defy the armies of God. He is going to insult and ridicule the king and the people of God. The Bible says this is happening for some time. I want you to think about it with me this morning. Picture the battlefield. Because the way the Bible tells us the story, it says these men would come out and every day they would get ready for battle. You know how, you know, you got to hype yourself up. You're going to go fight. Uh, You know, uh, who knows? They get up in the morning and they begin to chant and do all the things you do when you get, "Ah, yeah, let's do it, whatever they do. They go out, they're standing in battle array, they're all there and they're talking about, we're going to do this, and we're going to knock you out, and blah, blah. And the Bible says, as they're doing this, Goliath walks out. 
He looks out. Hey, listen, we don't need to do all this war. Just send me a man. The word of God says whenever Goliath came out and spoke those words, the army of God turned around and ran away in complete and total fear. The Bible says the fear was so great. It says they were trembling in fear. Now I want you to consider with me for a moment. The people or the men that would have possibly been on that battlefield. I want you to consider with me for a moment some of the men who would have been in Israel's army at that time. Unbeknownst to anyone, we're going to be some of the greatest, most powerful and decorated warriors the world has ever known. On that battlefield that day was possibly going to be some of the mightiest men that has ever walked planet earth. They were going to, in just a little while, they were going to be called mighty men. They were going to be called men of valor. Down the road, they were going to accomplish great things for God. They were going to be called champions. One translation said they were going to be called David's special forces. But that day, <laughs> they were cowards, fear-filled, trembling at the voice of the giant. There are people here this morning. You might not be all you're supposed to be today. You might be sitting here today scared to death at the prospects and the possibilities of what God wants you. But I want to tell you, down the road, mm, 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 mm. down the road, whoo, God's got a great name for you. The Bible says, beloved, Goliath would speak and these men would run away in fear. You know what always fascinated me about this story? If Goliath was so big and so bad and so scary, why didn't he ever run across the battlefield and just start killing folks? I mean, think about I mean, if you're so scary that all you have to do is say a few words, hey, send me a man. Why didn't Goliath and the rest of the Philistines say, listen, man, look at these guys. They're running. They're a bunch of chickens. Let's go. Just let's run across the field and kill them all. If they, listen, if they would have done that, I believe they would have massacred God's army. Them brothers would have seen Goliath come in. They would have dropped everything and ran for their life. So, so why was it that for 40 days, all Goliath did was stand every twice a day was stand there and run his mouth. Why? Because Goliath is a picture of the devil. Listen to me this morning. If the enemy of your soul can stop you and hinder you from doing God's will and accomplishing God's purposes for your life with just a few words, he's satisfied. If all the devil has to do 
to stop you from doing God's will for your life is say a few words. Hey, listen, man, you got a good job. Hey, 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 what about your house? It's a nice house. Hey, hey, this house was a miracle. You know, you, hey, you know, Pastor, I don't even know how I got this job. I'm not even qualified. It's a miracle. <laughs> Many years ago, I read a book called The Killer Angels, and this book was about the Civil War, and it talked about people who didn't care about the, the war. They were not for the North or for the South. They didn't really care about... They, they, they didn't care. They weren't uh, involved in slavery, none of those things. And so what these people would do is they would literally make picnic baskets and they would go out to the battlefield and watch the battle. They'd be far enough away to where they couldn't get hurt, but they would go and they would sit on the battlefield and be spectators and just watch the battle. They called them the spectators on the battlefield. Listen, that's what the devil wants from you and I. The desire of the devil's heart is for you and I to become no more than spectators on the battlefield. He doesn't mind you being on the battlefield. I mean, hey, go, cheer. Yeah, you go. But if he can... Make you no more than a spectator. You know what a spectator is? A spectator is someone who's on the field, but they have no way of influencing the outcome. They're not involved. They're, there's no loss. All they, all they give is just a few But what happens on the battle has nothing to do with that. That's what the devil wants from you and I. And if he can accomplish that with just a few words. In our text, the Bible says every time Goliath would speak, the people of God would run in the wrong direction. For 40 days, this is going to happen. I begin to wonder about this 40. You you see the number 40 so many times in the word of God. And I begin to wonder if there was any kinds of significance and Most scholars say it doesn't really have great significance. It might mean a a time of trial or a, a time of testing. But in some instances, it seems like 40 days was God's way of saying, that's enough time for somebody to do something. 40, I mean, 40 days. That's enough time to get something done. It's almost like God was waiting for one of these men to say, listen, man, we've been listening to this guy for long enough. I'm going to run out here with this stick and just whop him one, you know? <laughs> you know, hey, guys, I might not make it back, but I'm sick of listening to this guy. <laughs> and the Bible says for 40 days, no one does anything, twice a day. And then finally God said, okay, if you're not going to do something, I'll take care of this myself. Listen, God's only, God can only wait on you for so long. Just like Pastor Coda just said, you know, next year. Next, well, I'll tell you, between now and next year, 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to go into eternity. God can only wait so long. So the Bible says God goes and he brings his own warrior named David. Think with me about David, the guy that God brings to accomplish. I mean, David is in everything about David at this point is insignificance. He's little, he's young, the Bible calls him ruddy, he's you know, a teenager, even to his own family he's insignificant. You know the story, Samuel comes to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, Jesse parades out all his big handsome warrior sons and God's saying no, no, till Jesse has to say, hey listen man, don't you have another son, because God says none of these dudes can do it. And it's like Jesse's like, yeah, we got another one, but it's David. And I mean, it's David. <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of cute. And I mean, I mean, I mean, he plays the harp. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if he played like the rock guitar, you know, <laughs> he played. Long live the sheep. <laughs> Insignificant. Small. It's not a worry. He carries a slingshot. It's a child's toy. This is who God brings. We could say this morning that God was rebuking the army. We can make that case that he was by bringing David, what God was saying is, look, a bunch of chicken, a little boy can do what you can't do. Listen, listen, listen. We can make that case. But we can also make the case that what God was trying to show them is, listen, look at this little boy. I don't need much. Could it be that God was saying, listen, yes, he's small and insignificant and he does play the harp. He's all the, but let, I don't need much. I can do a lot with a little. Gideon says, listen, I'm the smallest guy in the smallest family, in the smallest clan, in the smallest city. And God says, great, perfect. That's what makes you a great candidate. The disciples came to Jesus. Lord, there's 20,000 people here. We ain't got no money. We don't have no money because we don't have no jobs because we quit our jobs to follow you. <laughs> we, we, we can't feed all these people. Jesus said, what do you have? I mean, I mean, we got five barley. Listen, when you start telling about the ingredients, <laughs> Lord, it's not even good bread. It's not even white bread. It's, it's, it's barley loaves. And these two little skinny fish, you know. And Jesus says, that's 12 baskets too much. Eh? That's more than, I don't need a, he, he brings David and what he was saying is, listen, I don't need much. I can do a lot with a little. Amen. There are people here this morning 
great potential. But you're disqualifying yourself because you say, Pastor, I don't have, I can't. Pastor, I don't have any talent. Pastor, what can I do? I can't, I can't. And you're saying that, but God is looking at, you're perfect. You're, you're perfect in every way. You're a great candidate. The Bible says David comes to the battlefield and we read something very significant. 1 Samuel 17, 22. It says, and David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines. I ask you a question this morning. Could this be the reason why you're not running in the right direction? You're too worried about your things. Could it be this morning that the reason you're not running for God is you're so worried about your stuff? One translation said he left his stuff. Listen, it's not easy to leave your stuff. It's not easy to leave your stuff. I remember I had an old pickup truck. Old, ugly. They used to mock me, called it my Sanford Sun truck. <laughs> hey, listen, it had no power steering. That's how I got my workout every day. It was ugly, the paint was peeling, but it was, hey man, I love my truck. It's not easy. I, I gave it away. I said, hey, I gave it to hey, take it. It's not easy. But can I tell you something this morning? There is treasure. There is treasure that God has for you when you're running for God that will make all the stuff you leave behind insignificant and inconsequential. There's a young man in our church in China. I'll tell you about some of these treasures. His name's Daniel. In China, family means everything. I'm beginning to understand, you know, you begin to understand the culture. You understand why, and we don't have time this morning to go into it. But family is more important than almost life itself. You would rather disappoint the world than disappoint your family. Every year in about February, they have this thing in China called uh, Chinese New Year. It's the greatest migration of human beings on planet Earth. You will have 30, 40 million people that will go home. It's, not like, it's like Thanksgiving on steroids. <laughs> you have to go home. It's not, a, it's not a choice. You have to go home. If you're from a... Uh, most of the people are from villages, uh, and they come to work in the big city. Chinese New Year, you have to go home. As a pastor, every Chinese New Year, I'm scared to death. Because your church, you, your entire church can dissolve Chinese New Year. Because they go home and spend a month with their family. Everything shuts down. There's no church. There's no nothing. They shut my building down. Everything's... You can get, normally I get on a train, there's, you know, it's roughly a 10, 20, 30,000 people on the train. <laughs> Chinese New Year, you get on the train, you might be the only one on it. So Daniel goes home for Chinese New Year. I'm scared, God, please, you're fasting and pray. You think, you think I've lost all this weight because I'm not eating? No. <laughs> Brother's scared to death. God, please. <laughs> and so about a 
month goes by, everyone comes back. Daniel doesn't come back. He's my main guy, our main translator. I knew something's wrong. So I text him, Daniel, when are you coming back? Pastor, I can't come back. My mom says I'm killing her. She can't eat. She can't sleep. She says I need to come home. And Pastor, I have to stay. I can't come back. He lives, it's eight hours away. He said, Pastor, my mom, my dad, they want me to go. It's all about money. They want him to go work and make more money and send money home. That's what it is. He said, Pastor, I can't come back. I said, oh, Daniel, I'll support you. I'm on your side. I know how this works. A few months go by, and one day I'm on a train, and I just felt like texting him. I text him, Daniel, where are you? How are you doing? He said, Pastor, I'm in town picking up some of my stuff. I said, okay, we're going to dinner tonight. I don't have to. We're going to dinner tonight. But we're going to dinner tonight. I take him to dinner, talk to him, just love him. Tell him, listen, man, I'll support you. We'll just live for God. He comes to church that Sunday. It's his last Sunday in church. The people of God shower him with love. We hadn't seen him in a while. I got a text message a few days after the church. The message said, Pastor, I can't leave. I can't leave church. He said, Pastor, how can I leave? He said, Pastor, if I leave now, all that I've done, all my praying, all my fasting, it'll be for nothing. He said, Pastor, I can't leave. And he said, Pastor, I'm going to build my life on the rock. He's sitting in church one day, and his phone rings before service. He looks at it. He says, Pastor, that's my father. They're looking for me. I can't answer it. And puts it away. That's treasure. What trinket can you compare to that? Last night I called one of our other main disciples. Just talking to him. How are you doing? His name is Roy. He said, Pastor, I'm not doing too well. I don't feel, I feel a little down. He said, Pastor, I'm on my way to church to pray. He's only been saved a year. Last year, if he didn't feel well, he'd be on his bar on He'd be on his way to the bar to get drunk. Last night, he said, Pastor, I'm on my way to church to pray. He said, Pastor, don't worry about me. I'll get my strength from God. In our text, you have to wonder this morning if a part of the reason why these men were so afraid and why they were running was when they looked over at King Saul, he's running away from the giant too. Listen, as pastors, it's hard for us to challenge men to run for God if we're not running. Or if we're running. To... And then, no, 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 you stay, you stay, you stay. You know, the Bible says... Only Saul and Jonathan had swords. I don't know what them brothers out there had. I don't know if they had some stick. Saul is the one with the sword, yet he was, he was running just. I was just in Malaysia at the Malaysia rally. Picture night. We're taking pictures. Thirteen nations. Thirteen. What if Pastor Campbell didn't decide to run for God? What if Pastor Campbell had decided, hey, man, giant's big. I'm out of here. 
13, I'm talking to Pastor Allen, and we're both going, God, look at this. Pastor Larry and Mona Mitchell, I was there in Colleen with them when they said, we're going back to Africa. And look what God's done to three pastors from Africa here. In our text, let me bring this to a close. Finally, David goes to Saul. You know the story. Saul tries to talk him into the, into the armor. And David says, no, I'm not, I can't wear the armor. And David begins to talk to Saul. You know the story. He tells him the story about the lion and the bear. And then David makes this great statement. He says, David said, the Lord who delivered me out of the, the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistines. Listen to me, precious people of God. This is the key. This is the key. It's not about what me and you can do. Because we can't do much. David said, listen, King Saul, I'm not going out there to face this guy because of what David can do. I'm going out there because I already know what God can do. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. He said, listen, the same God who was there with me uh, that night when I faced the lion uh, and God showed up uh, and helped me defeat the lion. Uh, the same God uh, who was there with me uh, when the bear came out of the woods. It wasn't a bear, it was a bird. When the bear came out of the woods, he said, listen, that same God uh, is going to go with me out there on the battlefield. And because of what God can do, there's not a giant uh, that I can't defeat. Oh, Hallelujah. We're not going based on our skills and ability. You know, I'm in China. You know, when I was here in America, I would just walk through the streets singing, and you get converts that way. Here. <laughs> hey, listen, I try I try it, man. I try everything. I'm walking through the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, they don't understand what I'm saying anyway. <laughs> Three years I've been trying it. I got one person who said, hey, that sounds good. <laughs> to the rest of them, it, it sounds like a... <laughs> because, listen, it's not what you can do. But there's been times when I've fasted and prayed. I said, God, give me a man. I get a phone call. Pastor, there's a guy. Let's close. The Bible says, David, you know the story. He's getting ready to go face the giant. Now, this is where I want you to see what I'm saying. This is my sermon. He's going to go face the giant. And we know human personality. Those soldiers are watching. And those soldiers are thinking, he's dead. <laughs> They're thinking, he's dead. In fact, in fact, who wants to bet? How long do you think it's going to take? <laughs> One guy said, hey, listen, I bet $20 he lasts five minutes. Another guy, I got five on it. You should know what that means. <laughs> They're betting. He'll be, he'll be dead. One guy 
say, hey, listen, man, did you see that horse you rode? That's my horse. I, I get the horse. I want a saddle. I want a slingshot. <laughs> They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. There's Goliath. Here's David. They're watching. He's, he's dead, man. They're going to kill this guy. The Bible says David, you know the story, picks up five smooth stones. Yeah, you've been talking mess. Watch this. Goes over, takes his head, pulls his own sword. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, listen. Picture the soldiers. for 40 days and this joker goes out there and in five minutes are you serious? Are you but I wonder if that's what triggered them to run because they say wait a minute if God can use a teenage boy with a slingshot to do in five minutes what we couldn't do. I wonder what God can do in us. And the next thing we read, 1 Samuel 17, 52, and the men of Israel and Judah rose up with a shout and ran after the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. So the wounded Philistines fell along the way from Shiram as far as Gath and Ekron. The Israelites returned from their pursuit and the Philistines and plundered. When they saw that, they said, hey, if he can run, we can run. And they, listen, there are men and women sitting here this morning. If you would run for God, there are so many giants that God can use you to defeat. But not only that, not only that, there are men and women in the embryonic stages of God's will. They just need someone to inspire them to run. They're watching you. They're looking at you and I. They're looking. And when they see you run, maybe God can do something in them. Say, so you know what? Maybe I can run. Maybe I can run. I read a book. I closed. Read a book many years ago called The Higher Call. This book was about a German pilot who saw B, it was a B-52, B-12 bomber. It was torn apart. The, the, the back of the plane was shot out. And he's looking at this, a German fighter pilot, and it's his job to shoot down these American planes. But he said, you know what? These guys, man, they, they should have been dead, falling out of the sky. He said he was so impressed. He said, you know, I'm not going to shoot these guys down. I'm actually going to help them. And so he helped them. He actually stayed behind them. They were coming over a, a gun field where they would take these big AA guns and shoot down American airplanes. He sat behind them, and so when the AA gunners saw him, they figured he's getting to shoot that plane down, and they didn't shoot at it, so he was able to guide them to safety. Many years go by, almost 30 years go by, 
And one day, this German fighter pilot, he decided, you know, I wonder what happened to those guys that I, I rescued. So he puts an ad in the newspaper, and he talks about it. Uh, and he says, you know, this is what happened, uh, and uh, I'm looking for the guy. And so the, the guy who he rescued, who was flying the plane, finds the ad. They begin to communicate. Uh, they begin to talk to each other, and they finally decide to meet. Now they're in their 60s, 70s, older men. They decide to meet. The German fighter pilot, his name was Hans, and there, he's there in this auditorium waiting to meet this guy. And when the door opens, it's not just this guy and his wife. There's like 20, 30 people walks in through the door. They walk up to him, and they're hugging him, and they're crying, and they're thanking him. Thank you, thank you. And he's wondering, who are all these people? They said, we are the husbands, the wives, the children and the grandchildren of the men that you rescued. They said, we're so grateful. We wouldn't be here had it not been for you. Beloved, when I get to heaven, I want someone to come up to me and say, listen, thank you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. What about you this morning? Which way are you running? God bless you this morning.